You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, a podcast for music fans where musicians and friends share some drinks and talk about the top 12 songs in a year without all that technical jargon. Join us for episode 61. This week, we'll discuss the best songs of 1996. Let's take a second to remember 96. The OJ trial started, Tupac Shakur was gunned down, and the Cowboys won their last ever Super Bowl. TV shows that premiered that year, The Daily Show, VH1's pop-up video, Blues Clues, The O'Reilly Factor, and Third Rock from the Sun. Top movies included Independence Day, The Rock, Mission Impossible, Happy Gilmore, and of course, Beavis and Butthead to America. As for the music, oh, the great music. For that, let's turn it over to your host, Rob Heitman, and the man standing outside a broken phone booth with money in his hands, Ralph McKinley. Hey, <laughs> welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, where we rank the Dirty Dozen, or top 12 songs from 1996, while discussing that year's music and pounding back a few drinks, because he's drinking beer, I'm drinking whiskey, it's crazy, I don't even know what's going on. I'm Rob. And I'm Ralph. Hey, Ralph. I just wanted to let you know that I was thinking of you when I did that intro, when I said the Cowboys won their last ever Super Bowl. I don't know if you realized that. That's a, that's a bittersweet memory. <laughs> it was very fun at the time, but it's been a way too long. Well, that's why I say it's your last ever Super Bowl. Not the last time you've oh, won. Oh, I see where you're going. <laughs> so you I see say. where you're going. I don't like it, but I see where you're going. <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody who's been active on Facebook. While we can't give everybody a shout out, I'd like to call out just a few each week. Troy Smith. Lori Reese and Charlotte Shepard, thank you for being a part of the community. Now, let's roll into this. Ralph McKinley, what do you remember about 1996? So obviously the Cowboys, but the number one thing that you mentioned in your intro there was the whole O.J. Simpson thing. So I'm down in Orange County, living in South Orange County in 96, and I think there's a chance that I'm on the 405 freeway heading north. While O.J. Simpson is heading south with A.C. Collins, yeah, yeah, I think we actually passed. I don't, I didn't see him, but just kind of trying to figure out the whole time frame. There's a chance I was heading the opposite direction as O.J. So, did well, you wave? I did wave. He did not wave back though. <laughs> no, I and there was only one person in the car at the yeah. time. It was interesting. <laughs> the thing I remember most about that, yeah, is I was watching ABC News or one of those newses, and they were you had a big discussion on it yeah and somebody from the howard stern show called in yes and said i see oj and oj scared yes just gonna ask everybody to be quiet for a moment we have on the phone with us as well robert higgins who lives in the neighborhood and is on the ground and can see inside the van mr higgins oh yes uh how are you uh just about as tense as you are oh my lord this is quite the tensest what can you see Oh, what I'm looking at right now is I'm looking at the van and I see OJ kind of slouching down, looking very, very upset. Now, looking here, he looks very upset. I don't know what he gonna be doing. Can you, can you, can you see him doing anything specific? Is he merely sitting there? He is just uh, sitting around, you know, just uh, looking like he'd be very nervous. Can you hear anything, Mr. Higgins? It's just too much commotion. I'd be in the back of a news van, so I can't really hear that good, but I can see it all. And I see OJ. I see OJ, man, and he looks scared. And I would be scared, because there's cops all deep in this. Thank you, Mr. Higgins. And Baba Booey to y'all. 
I, I, I remember I hearing that. And at the end, you hear Baba Booey. And yes. Like, uh, and Baba Booey. Uh, but it made it on like yes. ABC News in prime time. Yep. And like this big coverage. And I, I, that I remember that also. Ever. Yeah. That, that's funny. That is funny. Yeah, the movies you mentioned. I, the and, Rock? Come on. That's eh, one of the best. I don't know. That's, eh, a, that's the best Nicolas Cage movie of all time, I think. Or, that's not saying a whole lot, but yeah. But it is. Yeah. Know, <laughs> Independence Day was just huge. Independence Day was fun. And Beavis and Butthead to America. Yeah. That, 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 was, that, was, that was mildly entertaining, but yeah. Beavis and Butthead to America actually won an Oscar. No, I, I didn't. Uh, I was going to say, which it, one? In Animation? my mind. <laughs> in my mind, it did. There he is. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, that's cool. Join me in a belt of scotch. It's 9.30 in the morning. Yeah, but I haven't slept in days. Uh, we're drinking. What are you drinking today? I've got 805 Cerveza, which is Firestone Walker's, I guess, little venture into the Mexican beer. It tastes just like 805, I'll be honest. The usual 805 but they've just thrown a different label on it they're probably making more money off of it they're trying to make it a a mexican beer i guess it's exactly what they're doing you have to put a lime in it and then maybe it'll work yeah no kidding good point i am drinking a fancy scotch right now i'm drinking brooklotti bless you yeah no thank you it's the classic lottie it's unpeated isla single malt scotch whiskey really good 100 proof where's it from isla in scotland okay yeah, the Isla region, which is usually the, you get really smoky and peaty yeah. sort of whiskeys from there. This one is actually not. Most of their line is, though. So so if you say, I heard Rob talking and that a nice whiskey and it's not that smoky, and you pick up another one that isn't the classic Lottie, every other one they put out, you're hitting smoke, which I love personally. But that's it. Before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing the songs of 1996, and we'll share around 20 seconds of each tune, unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight, then we may do a second clip. We've made Apple Music and Spotify playlists, just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes always heads back to the artists we discuss. We've also created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which automatically updates each podcast to the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. We decided to link a song with the year the album was released, not the single. Because songs can chart in multiple years, we felt this was the best way to avoid duplication over the podcast. The way this works is we combine the individual top 12 lists with a lightly weighted media list to create our official Dirty Dozen for 1996. We'll count down the official list from 12 to 1, nice and simple. Before we get going with the list, we'll each discuss a song that wouldn't be in our top 12, but we'd still like to discuss. We call this our Song of Note. So, Ralph, what's your song of note? Rob, my song of note is a deep dive on one of my favorite bands of all time, a band called Pearl Jam. I've not heard of them. They're uh, yeah, they're pretty good. They're a country you, you band should, or something. No, they're they're a little more uh, <laughs> on the rock side than yeah, no, than no, country, I know, obviously, but... yeah. <laughs> we actually did a, a podcast for yes. Pearl Jam. I, I think it was episode sixteen. Check that out if you're interested. But go ahead. This song was not in your top twelve or thirteen. I think so, we talked about it though. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Short, punkish sounding song. It's from No Code. I think their fourth album, obviously 1996, song called Lucan. Once again, it's a very, very short song. It comes in at about a minute and two seconds. It's got a really a punk vibe to it. Great guitar riff that opens it up. And then Eddie Vedder's voice, is he's just barking out pissed off lyrics. The lyrics is about a deranged female fan that is stalking Eddie Vedder 
claims he's the father of the child, and he's just saying, nope, you got the wrong guy. That's not me. But apparently this went on for a couple of years. So wrote the song, very angry about it. Love the fact that it's short, heavy guitars, and Eddie's just barking out these lyrics. And it's named Lucan because Matt Lucan, who's a friend and actually the bassist for Mud yes. Honey. Yeah. Vetter and his wife, when this stalker would be in their face, they needed a place to escape to. And most of the time, it ended up going to Matt Lucan's house. But he wanted to thank Lucan by putting his name on the Correct. track. yeah. And Lucan always bitched about their songs as being way too long. <laughs> so he intentionally made it super short. Pearl Jam's not really known for long songs. I mean, they use, you know, well, four like to Pink five minutes. Well, yeah. So this is a song I obviously chose because it doesn't get any airplay. I don't think it even gets played live very often. I know they've played it live on a couple occasions, but... I sneezed and when they played it. I missed it. Yeah, and you were done. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's listen to Ralph's song of note, Lucan, off of No Code by Pearl Jam. Okay, that was Lucan Ralph's A Song of Note. All right, my song is actually a song by one of my favorite bands of all time. They had an album this year, and obviously, I could not put it on the top 12 for the year in good conscience. But it's a song that I love totally, and I mentioned them on the last podcast when we talked about one of the best live bands ever, and it's Bare Naked Ladies. Mm. And this is their album, Born on a Pirate Ship, and the name of the song is The Old Apartment. It's kind of big chord goodness, but pay attention to the bass line. He plays an amazing bass. He plays upright bass a lot of the time and fretless. It's just great. There's some deeper meanings that it could mean, but if you take it straight ahead, it's fine. I love the pre-chorus and the chorus just punches in and Stephen Page has this gravel in his tone. He's just such an awesome singer. The story about this song is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's a fun tune. This is Ed Robertson. This is a quote from him. Uh, it came from a true story about my neighbor, Jeff, who bought a cottage from a family who'd been there forever. And he said, we don't care what you do to this place, but you can't touch this tree because we planted this tree when our son was first born. We don't care what happens as long as you don't touch that tree. So they sold it to him and they left. And Jeff says to me, that tree's got to go. <laughs> but, but, but the funny thing is, I always thought it was a joke. That tree is going and eventually that tree's going. And he cut down the tree the hour that the couple finally came back for an unannounced visit. Ugh. And he goes, I actually have a photograph of the woman holding her hands on the side of her face, making that oh no face, just as the guy with the chainsaw is walking away and Jeff is standing there and saying like, oh F. <laughs> and he goes, that was the best thing ever. <laughs> so, do you have anything on it? Yeah, um, fun song. You love this band, Bare Naked Ladies. If you see them live, you love them too. You, you've of often mentioned that. I read that this video was directed by no other than Jason Priestley from 90210. He's a big fan. He did a whole documentary okay, on Okay, cool. But Jason Priestley's kind of funny on uh, 90210, which was his show, Beverly Hills 90210. But yeah. You, everybody knows what it is, I hope. Um, but maybe not. They were actually on 90210, Bare Naked Ladies. And they were they really? They performed at the Peach Pit. I'm at the Peach Pit. Yeah. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> anyway, let's listen <laughs> to my song of note. The Old Apartment by Bare Naked Ladies. Let's get busy, y'all. Walk into the old apartment. 
Song of Note, the old apartment, sounds dandy. Still like it today. It's much better live, but a lot of things are, I guess. So are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I am ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. We're going into the Dirty Dozen here. Let's roll with number 12. This is okay. o- only on your list on this one. This is by an artist who was actually killed this year. Uh, artist is Tupac, and the album is All Eyes on Me. And the s- name of the song is Picture Me Rolling, which was a surprise to me. But you have a reason for it, so I'd love to hear it. Why don't you start off with it? Yeah, I reached a little bit on this one. Although it does have 50 million listens this whole album all eyes on me is quite unbelievable it's a double album it was the first album that was released after him doing time in jail and it's also the last album that was released before he was murdered i don't listen to a lot of rap but there are certain rap songs that i like but and tupac is probably at the top of my list sure as far as rap songs going and just his beats and his his lyrics are let's say 25 and above. I was going to say 18 and above, but uh, 25 and above. So keep when you're playing the, the tune here, make sure you keep your, your finger close to I the dump a, button. I have a clean version. <laughs> oh, you do? Version. So what is it, 13 seconds long? It's something like It'll that. It'll be it's, interesting to hear that. One of the best lines in it, and I think the most poignant line in the whole album, he goes, anytime you want to see me again, rewind this track right here. Mm. Close your eyes and picture me rolling. Yeah. And, that's, that's and he died right after that. That's, that's kind of, yeah. we talked about Biggie Smalls, I think, in the last episode. And the same type of thing, you know, because they had that back and forth, East Coast, West Coast thing. I like this song a lot, but it has so many other people involved in it. It does. It has Danny Boy, Psych, does, and Sipo yeah. rap. Do you know those guys? Oh, I don't know. Neither do and I. And Sipo. <laughs> C-3PO I know from the Star Wars <laughs> movies. <laughs> Everybody who raps on this track is actually quite good. So I just didn't know you before this. Yeah, the second verse of the rapping is really what brings this song together. I got keys coming from overseas. That's all I got. Okay. (laughs) This is the rap stylings of Ralph McKinley, everybody. The whitest rapper ever. Yes. (laughs) All right. Let's uh, listen to Picture Me Rolling by Tupac Shakur. On his album, All Eyes On Me. Let's listen. Day grown, full grown, following your man. Scheming on ways to put some greed inside the palms of my empty hand. Just picture me rolling. Crossing the beans on the rings that isn't stolen. My dreams are sensing. My hopes are born. I'm like a bean and finally seeing all the dope is gone. My nerves is wet. Heart beating in my head. Swollen. Thinking of the G's I'll be hoping. Picture me rolling. Okay, that's our number 12. Picture me rolling. I picture us rolling down. In one of in our in our sedan, just yeah. hanging out with the windows down and this just pumping up, Rob. <laughs> Cruising down by like uh, Valencia or uh, Ventura or Van Nuys. We're just cruising down Van Nuys. There you go. Yeah, I don't think that's our scene. All Sorry, right. I digress. <laughs> so anyway, that was our number twelve. Picture me rolling my two pack Shakur for all eyes on me. Now our number eleven is on my list. <laughs> It's actually my number four song. It's by a band called Matchbox 20 from an album, Yourself or Someone Like You. 3 AM is the name of the song. I like the strums answered kind of, it's like a call and answer with an electric guitar in the beginning, which is kind of cool with the electric guitar doing some just lines on the guitar pretty much. A solid verse that leads to a great melody in the pre. And it's a catchy sing-along chorus, really good. Simple riff in the verse, it's just so perfect. 
Actually, Rob Thomas, when he talks about a girl who only sleeps when it's raining, was about his mother who he stayed home with when she was sick with cancer. Mm. So it's not happy, but actually was happy because she she recovered, but he had to sit with her for a long time. And that's what was in his mind for that. He was actually in a band before Matchbox 20 called Tabitha's Secret. When he was with Tabitha's Secret, yeah, yep. he wrote the song and when they were signed, they changed the name to Matchbox 20 because that's so much cooler. Debut album for these guys, right? Matchbox 20? I think so. A huge hit for him. I mean, the whole album just, these guys exploded immediately. It was absolutely a huge album. For me, I remember this song a lot during that year. Yeah, I remember big hit. You know, college. This is a, this is about college time for me, or in that space. So I remember that. I remember playing in bands and having to sing this song later okay. on. I mean, you played a bar. It's one of those songs that come up. <laughs> it's well, the ladies love Matchbox Twenty. So. Yes, they do. And this album, to your point. Yeah. There was probably four or five songs that could have been on there. I picked Three A.M. So let's listen to Three A.M. by Matchbox Twenty, our number eleven overall. Okay, that was number 11, 3 a.m. by Matchbox 20. Now, let's move to our number 10. Top 10. Here we go. And this is on both of our lists. We actually did a podcast on this band in episode 19. The artist is Stone Temple Pilots off of the Tiny Music album. It's called Trippin' on a Hole in a Paper Heart. It was my 10. It was Ralph's 10. And it's the 10 overall. Go figure. Awesome. So, Ralph. We we hit 10s. We hit 10s. It's triple 10s. So, Ralph, why don't you take the lead on this one? I had I had the last one. All right, cool. I'm going to start off with a question, but then I'll dive into this. Like, what does tripping on a hole in a paper heart, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. Okay. Scott Weiland on acid. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, this song, awesome song, actually written by the drummer, Eric Kretz, lyrics by uh, the late Scott Weiland. song opens up with a cool guitar riff. Scott Weiland's vocals kick in, great guitar work throughout the entire song. At times during this song, it sounds like there's two different people singing, but it's actually Weiland just changing his voice, which I think is very cool. But great song. Good choice in number 10. Yeah, great tune. I have a couple quick notes. I love the chord hold into that driving drum. The verse is really fast moving. The transition to the chorus may have like slight echoes of... Led Zeppelin's Dancing Days, which I kind of hear in there. Uh, the chorus is just so epic. I am, I am, I am. I'm not myself. I'm not dead and I'm not for sale. Uh, solo is pretty strong. Uh, the synth actually adds to some of the notes. This was like a weird time for that band too, because uh, Wyland had just been arrested for drug possessions a few months earlier and he was dealing with a lot of stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Wyland was one of the best front men I've ever seen live. I mean, he had the energy of 10 people. Who did you see them live with? I saw them live. That's funny you should ask that. And it's a long list. I went to see K-Rock Weenie Roast 25 years ago. Okay. So bands that played there, off the top of my head, Coldplay. Okay. Playing it when they first started. Like they're at two o'clock in the afternoon, starting everything off. Jane's Addiction. Good. Stone Temple Pilot. Mm -hmm. A brand new band, which was very hot at the time, Linkin Park. Okay. They're a big band. 311 played. Mm-hmm. I like 311. Shaquille O'Neal came out and rapped with 311 
It was one of the highlights of the entire show. It was just hilarious. Pick the basketball. Don't act. Don't growl. Well, guess what? We have drove me to this. I'm mad two times. Mad as mad as shit. Y'all probably never like what the f I did. I'm not a role model. I'm a real model. Raise your own bad kids. Ah! I want y'all to hear me. Ah! Respect me as kids. Yeah, I, he put out a whole album. I can't even yeah. imagine. Yeah. Can't even imagine. <laughs> all right let's listen to our number 10 everybody's number 10 it was my old number 10 it's my current number 10 it's my Ross's number, number 10. 10 everybody's number 10 tripping on a hole in a paper heart stone temple pilots off of tiny music let's listen to the bad boy Okay, that was the number 10 by Stone Temple Pilots. The bass is so good in that song. It's little things that I listen to when I hear, especially if you're wearing cans or you're wearing headphones. You can hear just a little bit more than you can on your iPhone. Okay, that was number 10. So let's move to number 9. This was on the media's list. This is the first media has been shut out until this point. So this is their media's number four. And this was not on your list, but it was on mine. Okay. This is my number six overall. And it's on an album called Electric Larry Land by the Butthole Surfers. And the name of the song is Pepper. The intro really grabs you and into that drum beat. The verse really sets itself apart with that deadpan delivery of the spoken rap lines that he's doing. The chorus is catchy. <laughs> the bridge has backmasked lyrics in it. Uh, but it's only the first line and the last line of the chorus played backwards. There's no deeper meaning. They just wanted to do that for the effect, I think. The fuzz on the guitar is so good it, with that little melodic solo slash interlude thing they do there. Yeah, this is the biggest hit ever yes. for a band that's falling apart at the time. And this would be kind of their swan song because... The last thing the Butthole Servers ever wanted was a major hit. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the very obscure band here. I, I'm glad it's on the list. Th- this is great. So you said this is in the top uh, 12 on the media's list? Mm-hmm. Number very four overall, okay. yeah, wow. for the year. It was a Good huge for the song. media. It was a huge song. Saw these guys in Castake of all places. I Here's what I remember from seeing the Butthole Surfers probably 30 years ago. I remember the lead singer wearing a cowboy hat. These guys are from Texas, if I recall. Yep. He's wearing a cowboy hat. He's wearing shorts. He's wearing cowboy boots. And he's screaming all of his lyrics through a bullhorn, drinking a Budweiser. <laughs> Quite a scene. Yeah, well, it's, it's like pure punk, right? Yeah. So this song, yeah, number one hit for them on the uh, alternative billboard charts. So good for them. Mm-hmm. So. It's really sort of a morbid sort of song. It's about death. It's people yeah. chasing death. People trying to die and weird. It's just kind of weird. They go through all these characters in it that don't really ever tie totally together. Yeah. It's just more of a, a pace. And I guess he probably had some idea when he was doing it. And then he kind of went, oop, drifted, drifted over a little bit. But yeah, it's Larry Land. What what does Larry Land mean? Any ideas? Uh, it's supposed to be Electric Ladyland, so they took Larry and they oh, just okay. But Hull Surfers, the name, it's not as weird today as it probably was back then. Half of these stuff, I didn't even think of what it meant. 
Yeah. You know, it's not whatever. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Somebody's trying to be funny, but probably wasn't so much. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of surfers out there that are buttholes. I I spent a year, year and a half surfing down in Orange County, never got any good. But if you rode a wave and got into someone's way, these surfers were brutal. Hence, butthole surfers. There you go. (laughs) Screaming at you, that was my wave. Get out of here. Calling you all kinds of names. And this has been therapy with Ralph. Thank you. Send me the send me the bill. All right. Let's throw a little pepper on that therapy with our number nine song. Let's take a listen. Tommy played piano like a kid out in the rain. Then he lost his leg in Dallas. He was dancing with the train. They were all in love with dying. They were drinking from a fountain that was pouring like an avalanche coming down the mountain. I don't mind the sun Okay, that was number nine, Pepper, by the Butthole Surfers. <laughs> All right. Number eight was on the media's list and your list, not okay. mine. It's a great song. Front end is amazing. The name of the song is Where It's At by Beck off of the Odelay album. So, Ralph, why don't you start us off on Where It's At? This is our number eight yeah. overall. This is your number three. My number three. So, big Beck fan. But yeah, Beck has had a very interesting career. His first two or three albums in this, I, th- I believe this is his second album, excellent albums. And then he goes into more of this mellower acoustic albums. He's just had a very interesting career where he has kind of developed over the last 25 years. This album, I love this album because at the time and even still now today, like no one sounds like Beck. Kind of call it like geek rock. Once again, I've seen Beck live and talk about a showman. He is unbelievable. I want to say he played at least five or six different instruments that night. Really? Doing spin moves and he's wearing a suit and he just looks like a geek, but he is up there rocking out. So just a fun song. The entire album, Odelay, excellent album. If you guys don't have it in your catalog, go give it a listen because it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I like the the key riff in the beginning, that sort of vibe, and overall the keys throughout this song are very strong. Is that like a Rhodes keyboard, potentially? Yeah, it, it could be, but I, yeah. it sounds like it's more like a Wurlitzer. Okay. Great sounding organ. Yeah. The Wurlitzer. Say that five times. We, we will speak about the Wurlitzer organ? <laughs> Great opening. But, but it has though, that yes. sound. Yeah, yeah. But the first verse is such a good vibe, and the chorus is iconic. Even like that robot voice. And I like that sample. That was a good jump break. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does. He's got quite a few samples in here. He used samples very well. And the ACDC thing was actually from a, uh, a 1969 middle school sex education album. Yeah. So it's called Sex I, I think Routines. I heard about it. Yeah. And, and the parentheses where it's at. So that's where he came up with the name for it. That's why he used that clip in there. Yeah. You know, it's so iconic. Two turntables and a microphone. It's like a DJ. Yeah. You Beck fan? I don't mind Beck. Okay. You know, I yeah. think that the perception of, you know, Beck at this point was that he was the loser guy. Do you wonder why? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and then where it's at, so, oh, wait, he has other songs that are really good. Correct. So it kind of like made him real. It's not that one hit wonder guy anymore. Here's this guy who's kind of going to be here for a little bit. And he has more to offer than yeah, that it, one song. It, he kind of reminds me of a cartoon character. And, and once again, just seeing him live, if I recall, he's wearing a tuxedo and he's just making these funny dance moves and spin moves. And he's playing the guitar. He's playing the drums. He's playing the keyboards. He's playing the, the saxophone. And it 
It's impressive. No, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I like to see that. Yeah. I always saw him as more of a, a techno guy, but I guess a lot of his music went that way at a certain point. You're right. So, You're right. Like I said, like he's, dance he's, kinda, he's ebbed and flowed, and he did have a, a period of time when he got a little techie, which is not my favorite Beck era, but early Beck stuff, and then right after some of the early Beck stuff, he did a couple of very mellow acoustic albums spot on. Okay, so let's listen to the number eight song, Where It's At by Beck, off of the Odelay album, which is actually a very good album. Let's uh, take a listen. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, and just clap your hands, and just clap your hands. Where it's at? That was our number eight, Where It's At. Great synthesizers and keyboards throughout that song. No, it is. It's, it's fantastic. And and I'm not a big synth guy, as Jason Weck knows. <laughs> no, but I'm here for you, Jason. <laughs> oh, Jason's awesome. It's, it's a good song. It's a good song. I don't like the back end of it, but it's, I think it was a like six minute song. So I think the first three and a half, four minutes are good. <laughs> That's what ended up pushing it out of my list. It was so close though. It was so close. It was in my list for a while, but anyway, and, and actually the next song was in my list for a while too, but it didn't make my list. Really? Okay. And then it's on your list, obviously. And it's on the media's list and it's the number seven song overall. It's actually the media's number seven and it's your number four off of the album, evil empire rage against the machine bulls on parade. You don't have, you know, I always kind of go through our list and I'm like, what's Rob going to have on his list? This, I, I had about three that I thought we were going to match on. I thought for sure this was going to be on your list. It's, it's a song I like quite a bit. It's just on the fringe of the list and it just yeah. fell off the fringe for me on this one. That's all. It's because I needed, I think if it was just my favorite songs, it would have made the list. But when I have to balance everything else, I couldn't put all. Heavy balance metal. is overrated. Yeah. Well, balance is, but, you know, it was a decent Van Halen album, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so Rage Against the Machine, Bulls on Parade, Evil Empire. Song opens with grinding guitars, bass work, then quickly turns into a typical Tom Morello guitar player, riff with his wah pedal, just his standard, standard sound. It almost sounds like a DJ Scratch. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the he's, got some, yeah he's doing something that no one else has done. Like, he's kind of created his own way to play the guitar and doing yeah. it very well. So it, It's pretty much scratching it and moving, you know, playing with the wah pedal and getting this real cool vibe from it. And so, it's, yeah. it, whenever you hear Tom Morello, you know it's as a guitar player. Yeah. I don't care who he's playing or what he's playing with. If I hear Tom Morello playing, I know it's him. And that's something you can say. It's, it's a... He's honor, got a style. honor for every guitar player. So people know who it is, no matter what you're playing. You so go. after Tom Morello does his, uh, his wah pedal riff, Zach De La Roach comes in with his typical rap rock style lyrics. Just an awesome anthem for these guys. Saw these guys live. And I remember this song specifically, but there's four or five songs that these guys are jamming to and I'm pretty close to the stage and I remember turning around and there's a mezzanine for anyone that uh, remembers the Universal Amphitheater from probably 20 years ago but mezzanine up there and the entire crowd is bouncing to this song and I thought 
that mezzanine is it's coming, coming down. down yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was in perfect unison. It, it's burnt into my memory. One of those rock and roll moments where I just remember looking up at that mezzanine and thinking, everyone on that mezzanine is jumping in unison. It, it was an awesome moment. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. At least you weren't looking up at the mezzanine. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I was not underneath it, but very good point. I love the vocal breakout that he does in the chorus. It's almost as if it's intentionally distorted, and probably is. He could be using a bullhorn or something. Bullhorn, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a little repetitive for me on this, and I think that's kind of what, at the end of the day, yeah. put it aside. But it's a great tune. It's actually one of their most iconic tunes. And It is. And Brad Wilk, at the end of this, some of the fills and the stuff he's playing on drums is crazy good. Yeah. It's crazy good. Yeah, all the musicians here... Let's include Zach. You know, he's singing, but all the musicians are off the chart. Yeah, they're crazy good. Let's listen to number seven, Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine off of the Evil Empire album. Don't you have to have like an evil laugh after you say Evil Empire? <laughs> evil. It, we will take one million dollars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> Let's go to Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. Let's listen. Okay, that was number seven, Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine off Evil Empire. And I was telling Ralph during the song on the side, if you ever watch Mr. Robot, it's kind of funny. They have a corporation in Mr. Robot called Evil Corp. It's it's just a really interesting, interesting show. But Remy Malek's in that too. And he also plays Freddie Mercury in the Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. And he's actually playing a villain in the new Bond movie. So I'm looking forward to this, hearing that too. Anyway, that's number seven. Now let's move on to number six. This one is more important. This one is great because it's not on your list <laughs> no, and it's not on the media's list because they have no idea what they're doing. And it's one of my favorite bands ever. And I've talked about this on the 90s cast so far. Actually, this band has hit once before. I have not done a podcast on this band. Oh, oh by the way, we're still taking suggestions for next season at this point. So... I have not done a podcast on this band. I have not done a podcast on this band. So if you want to suggest this band, that may not be a bad idea. So after the 90s are <laughs> over, you're going back to, to uh, bands. Yeah, we're doing okay. bands, and then we'll do something else probably later in the year. I haven't figured that out yet. Anyway, the band is Cake. The album is Fashion Nugget. It's my number two song overall, and it's called The Distance. This is the first song ever that they've found that actually starts with the first word, reluctantly. A little sidebar. It's a great opening. The way that they did this this track is when they go into the studio for this song, John, the singer, he wanted to keep working on it and keep working on it, but he was only allowed to do three takes just to get it fresh, and they took the full take all the way through. Is this the record company that says, no, look, you've no. got three hours to do this, you get three no, takes? No, no, but it was a producer... And it was kind of a band thing oh, okay. that they wanted to keep it fresh to sort of get that good energy and that new energy in making music. I love the way he attacked it and the freshness of it in the actual take for the distance. He likes to think that his version, I've seen him play a couple times, is better when he does it live now 
because he's changed the melody just slightly or the timing just slightly. I don't necessarily think so. You've I, seen Cake a couple times? I, yeah, I Very love good. I love yeah. the original way that they do it so much better. Because I guess that's what I listen to more. And it, once you get used to a certain cadence, and it may be better the way he's doing it now, but in reality, you expect to hear it a certain way. And when they try to do something new with it, it's almost like they're ruining their own song just a little bit. It's like, well, it's on the album that way. And that's what I heard a billion times in my life. So I haven't dove into the lyrics very much, but I, I picture this as like Cake is like a fun band to me. I, I really enjoy Cake. This They're seems a like a band too. This is a fun song. Do the lyrics match that? Because I don't know too much about the no, lyrics. No, it, it's, it's a, kind of a spoken word in the well, beginning. Well, uh, well the Cake, oh, cake yeah. is always pretty much like that. But the song is generally about the futility of trying to make it in corporate America, pretty much. But despite the political overtones, there's a lot to like. So the bass in this is, is sick. The main riff I love a lot. They use something called the melodica. Have you ever heard of that no, instrument? No. It's kind of, it looks like a recorder okay. with a keyboard on it. And it really cuts through and you hear it distinctly in the chorus. And you hear it in certain parts in the song. And it's kind of interesting because it's not a normal thing to hear. Especially in a rock and roll band. Yeah, actually it was used a lot in hip hop. I think that's where they found it. The reason that they can do all of these weird instruments and such, because they have a trumpet player. Yeah. But the trumpet player also plays melodica, and he also plays some keys. So it's interesting that the trumpet is actually limited in this track, as opposed to some of their other tracks, because he's playing melodica as well. Yeah. So I kind of like that, so it's not as much trumpet. <laughs> uh, the chorus is great. It, it's one of these great songs. The music video was good. Big hit for them. Yeah. It's probably their biggest song. Mm -hmm. They still put music out? They haven't put anything out since 2011, but, but you never know what the future brings, I guess. Okay. So it's our number six overall, The Distance by Cake. Cake. Yeah. And the funny thing is, when you name a band going forward, you have to think about the internet. So if you search Cake on the internet, you know what you're not going to find? The band. That's right. You're <laughs> going to find recipes <laughs> for, for weird stuff. Anyway, for angel food cake, mm. different cakes, mini cakes, chocolate cake, distance cakes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's listen to Distance by Cake off of Fashion Nugget. The cop, but he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's That's a great riff. That's yeah, I was just about to say that is a very cool guitar riff right there. Yeah. You can tell it was written by a guitar player. <laughs> that that's the distance by cake, our number six overall. Love cake. If you haven't gotten into cake, you need to do so. So anyway. Our number five is a band that probably needs no introduction. It was on our episode 14 of the podcast. This was on Ralph and my list. This is my number 11, Ralph's six, off of one of the most controversial albums by them. It's a very polarizing album, a Cold Load by Metallica. The name of the song is King Nothing, our number five overall. So Ralph, lead us off. Nice. So we both have this. Yeah, it's my number Excellent. one. Excellent. Listen, I love talking about this band, as you well know. You and I chat about Metallica a lot. This, the opening of this song has a very interesting sound to it. Guitar work, 
very unlike Metallica, but I love it. Uh, like, I don't know if there's some. Hence the, contra- hence the controversy. I mean, yeah, this, so what, this what, whole... what's going on at the beginning of that song? Can, can you help me out as a guitar player? Sorry to put you on the spot, but like well, uh, some feedback or something? No, no, he's got some effects going on. Okay. Yeah, I think he's got like an octaver, which makes doubles the sound or even triples the sound and he's got some reverb not very some fuzz and some, but some then fly, listen yeah. like typical metallica after some interesting guitar work for the first 20 to 30 seconds of the song but when the guitar kicks in just the sound the power and the riff is just unbelievable which is what metallica is always doing they're like the masters of the guitar riff for me so love this song it's a song uh it's about a man who, who wants to play king doesn't care about anything else but playing king. Would he put down presidential orders? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Ultimately, it leads to his downfall because that's all he cares about is himself and being king. So it just leads to his downfall. I got to give props to Bob Rock. I think he gets a great sound out of Metallica. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. I was good with the Black Album. More than most. I, obviously, it was a big shift from Injustice for I've, All. I've learned to enjoy it. And the then Load was... I think if they took Load and Reload... Yep, totally agree. And pushed it into one album and made it like eight tracks or ten, nine tracks maybe, yes. it would be a much better album and it would be up to the Completely level. Completely concur. There's too much filler in it. Yeah, I've had to learn to like the load album you know i'm i'm the early metallica guy loves the first five albums wasn't real happy with the black album obviously wasn't happy with load but in the last anger was awesome (laughs) that that, that drum sound is wonderful Uh, but listen i have really enjoyed listening to load load is a very strong rock and roll album when you put it up against some of the other metallicas not a great album but this is a great song once again uh from the riff masters metallica I just remember Metallica playing the European VMAs, and I talked about this on the podcast, so Mm -hmm. I guess I'll go into it just briefly again. They were supposed to play uh, the European VMAs around this time, right after The Lord came out, and they were supposed to play King Nothing on the air. They said, we need you to play King Nothing, and you have to promise, never, ever swear. Don't swear. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no curses in this song. Don't swear from the stage. Don't do anything. It's going to, we, we are trusting you. We love you guys. And so the band was pretty pissed. Yeah, that's like putting a dog treat in front of a dog and saying, don't eat this. So needless (laughs) to say, they didn't play King Nothing in front of the live. You know what they played? Last Caress and So What. Oh, boy. (laughs) The most vulgar songs in their catalog. Yes. I love rock and roll. It's very rock and roll. No rules. And needless to say, the rebroadcast did not have Metallica in it. (laughs) That's a great story. Oh, but yeah, that's, that's very, very rock. So let's listen to King Nothing by Metallica off of the Load album. Load album. Let's listen. Okay, that was King Nothing, our number five song overall. Let's move to number four. Off to an album that I learned something about that I thought I should have known, and I can't believe that I didn't know it, because 
I guess the band is not named after their lead singer. Hmm. But the name of the band is The Wallflowers. And the album is Bringing Down the Horse. This is the number four overall. This is my number three. Not on Ralph's list. And this is the media's number six. And the name of the song is One Headlight. I never realized that the lead singer to this band, Jacob Dylan, was Bob Dylan's son. Oh, really? I couldn't okay. put that together. I don't yeah. know why. Now I, that you know that, this song sounds a lot like a Tom Petty song, which Tom Petty obviously sounds a lot like Bob Dylan. Right. You know? right. And so, yeah, I kind of put those three together. So they're a good song. Yeah, as I said, I never realized. But I love the guitar lick in the intro. It's almost fading with a bunch of reverb. It's just so good. The vocal delivery in the verse and the keys are great. I like the slide guitar right before the mm. chorus. I've got that as a note. The slide and, guitar is great. And the slide heavy delay on the interlude. It just feels great, you know? Jacob Dylan was quoted with regards to this song. I tend to write with a lot of metaphors and images so people take them literally he doesn't talk like that, but the song's meaning is on the first verse. It's about the death of ideas. The first verse says, the death of the long broken arm of human law. At times, it seems like there should be a code among human beings that is about respect and appreciation. I wasn't feeling there was much support outside of the group putting this record together. In the chorus, it says, come on, try a little. I didn't need everything to get through. I could still get through with one headlight. So he's like, I'm a writer. I'm not going to put this thing straight up to you guys and like put it out and that's what it means one headlight is actually about one headlight yeah think a little bit when you when you listen to this yep. my father's bob dylan god damn it <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna my, my father would never let me in the house if uh if that was the case this song is famous for being the number one hit Mm-hmm. Not at the same time, but on three Billboard charts. The modern rock Billboard chart, the mainstream rock Billboard chart, and then alternative Billboard chart. I, I guess this is the first this song is that's not, ever done this that. Is not, it's on the Airplay charts. Uh, Airplay, okay. Yeah, there's a difference. It's more that singles weren't released and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. In the 90s, a lot of the times in America, pretty much, the rock stuff and the alternative stuff pretty much did not issue singles yeah as traditionally made what they did is they gave the radio stations singles to play yep but you couldn't go to a store and get a single they wanted you to buy the you lp mean a 45 yeah there's cd singles and there's yeah more cassettes and there were singles and stuff but most of the rock stuff didn't and the alternative didn't because they wanted to sell the lps and they did and they were great this is number 58 on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 best pop songs of all time. Mm. And it won a Grammy for this song. And I love the name of the, the album. Come on. Bringing Down the Horse. Bringing Down the Horse. <laughs> like I play on words. I'm like yeah. super smart here. All right. Let's listen to One Headlight by The Wallflowers, our number four song. Tell you what, you start digging that song apart and listening to the lyrics and breaking the lyrics down. He is so talented at crafting lyrics, and I gotta imagine he grew up with uh, lyrics being an important thing in a song <laughs> in his household. Great song, I love it, and it made my number three. That's how important yeah. the song was, and I just remember it. It's like, oh my gosh! 
And now the next song, let's move to our top three. Mm-hmm. And you picked the wrong song, but mm. it's our number three song overall. But I, we only have one from this band on the countdown. And it's one of the best musician bands ever. This is off of the Enema album, Enema. I always say it wrong, by Tool. And the name of it is Enema, which is kind of a mixture of Anima, which represents the perfect female encoded inside every man. It's called Anima. And Anima, as we all know, is flushing the colon out with water. Yes. Good old <laughs> so, Tool. And Anima for Tool. This is your number one. This is not on anybody else's list. I had another Tool song, which I love, on this album, which didn't make the list, which we'll see later. Let's go talk about this one. Go ahead. One of my favorite albums of all time. So if it's I'm, a, it's a fantastic if album. I'm stuck on a desert island and I'm only able to take 20 albums... This is one of them. If you're only allowed to take tennis, it's still one of them. Very possible. That's fantastic, though. But this song is a musical journey for me. I think it's about six and a half, seven minutes long. Just from the starting of the bass line, the guitar work, the drumming in the middle section of the song, and then Maynard, the lead singer, just... His lyrics and the way he sings this song is just off the charts for me. Seems to be about the fault lines in California and the speculation on what might happen with a major earthquake in California falls into the ocean. This was inspired by Bill Hicks, which is a comedian. Yeah. And Bill Hicks had this bit that he did uh, that had California falling into the ocean and creating Arizona Bay. Yeah. And he thought that LA people were the worst people in the world and were truly superficial. Yeah. Yes. So he wanted them to disappear. So that was kind of the thing. Yeah. So that, part of the lyrics. That's where he followed it. So, that's where it came from. Yeah. He's actually in the liner notes. Yeah. You see a picture of him in there. So to follow up on that, the only downfall of this song, I don't know if you got a clean version, but there's a lot of. I don't have a, There's I, a lot of F words in here. I don't but, have a clean version. Yeah. Well, no. listen, that's fine with me, but like just part of the lyrics retro anything f all you junkies and your short memories i love that line mm-hmm. a lot of fun i love this band i love this song once again if you guys listening do not have this in your catalog please give it a listen it's 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 a harder edged band but the musicianship like rob mentioned is off the charts it is off the charts good this is arguably their best album of all time you and I won't even have to argue about yeah, that. You I and know. I argue I, about I, I a lot it. of things, but, but this is their this best is fantastic. album. Yeah, yeah. And this song was actually inspired by Tool when they were performing for some Scientologists in LA. They saw all the disciples wasting their life devoted to meaningless things mm. in there, and that's how the song kind of came about. Heavy from the beginning. What a great riff. Love the bass and drums underneath the verse. Yeah. The chorus, the build is just so great. And then it explodes. Maynard has such great tone. The musicianship, as you said, always impresses. The drum pattern is great with the bass. The way they interrelate and the way they hit. And some of the hi-hat work as the beat stays straight is really impressive. Like you'll hear the beat going straight. But you, if you listen to the hi-hat and the cymbal work, it is crazy what he, what's happening on the side. And he's still able to keep the beat. I'm just so blown away as a musician. I love the guitar work and the bridge, sort of soaring and echoing. Learn to swim. <laughs> yeah, the learn to swim part is off the charts. 
the only problem is I, I don't know if I can get a clean 20 seconds anywhere. Yeah. Uh, the, at least yeah. not the area that I'd want to. So, yeah. so I apologize if it's not the best part of the song. Listen to the song, even if you don't like the part that I'm playing for you. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of vulgarity in the song, but it's really worthwhile. It's really good. All right. So let's listen to number three song overall. It made up this high. So, you know, it's good. Anima. We're being so nice to each other tonight, Rob. I know, because because you because you're actually making good choices today. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? What the freak is going on? I don't know. Although you you, you picked the most vulgar least uh, yes, song. Yes, I did. I did. I put that in my notes. Sorry about and that, And you everyone. made it your number one, so there's no yeah, chance of yeah, mine getting no, it. Listen, this, this has got to be up there. <laughs> All right, so let's listen to number three, Yanima by Tool. Let's listen. Hey, that was for number three, Anima by Tool. That's a wonderful song. It's a great song. Ugh. It's not the best song on the album, but it's a great song. <laughs> anyway. You can't talk about uh, your favorite album. I can't. I can't. Okay. Not, not yet. We'll get into that. We may see that on Mr. Cut. But yeah, number three overall. I'm glad Tool made it up that high. So it's a, such an important album. If you like rock and roll, if you like more complex music, if you're not just happy with your standard fare of four on the floor type of rock and roll, if you need a little bit more, if you want some You talking about poison art, right now? If you want with your art, I'm talking with a lot of bands. <laughs> uh, if you want some art with your music, that's a great one. But not as great as your number two, which is my number one overall, actually. It's funny, the number one song is not my number one, not your number one. Go figure. Wow. But the number two song overall is my number one. It's your number seven. And media had it off their list because they're stupid. This is off Soundgarden, Down on the Upside, Burden in My Hand. This is the number two song overall. And as you know, we love me some Soundgarden. Yes. They're one of my favorite bands, period. And we started the whole podcast on Soundgarden. That was our first episode, so you know we love it. It's a really interesting time. They recorded Down on the Upside differently than they did in the past. They used to record a demo, get the demo down, and then they'd go into the recording studio and record it. But sometimes that feel of the demo as being fresh and energized was gone. So what they did this time is they recorded the demo as final to capture the performance. Like Kim, when he was playing in the studio didn't know this was happening he thought he was recording the demo hmm. and the next thing he knows they're finishing the final and he has to do some last minute guitar touch-ups they were going through some really hard times as a band a lot of conflict had a bass player who was hating on the crowd every other day and picking fights chris and kim kind of feeling separated wait a minute a rock and roll band acting out i really? don't have any issues I come know. on i know it's hard to believe yeah, Kim was having issues with the lack of collaboration on his album. He had one of the songs on the album was his. I'm not going to go into that one. It's not this one. But let's jump back into the song here. <laughs> right from the count in, Chris's vocal soar with emotion and power mm -hmm. in the song. The acoustic riff underneath reminds me of something that would appear on Led Zeppelin 3. But I love how Kim comes in with that electric riff in the pre right before it goes all rock into the chorus. It's so funny. One of the... <laughs> One of the misheard lyrics, when he goes, I shot my love today, mm. that's not what I thought it said. 
forever. That's not what I thought it said. What did you think it said? I shot my load today. <laughs> No, that's Metallica. <laughs> no, I know. No, uh, we didn't talk about the. Uh, no, no, I'm not talking about right? the album load. <laughs> I'm talking about you know. Anyway, <laughs> I shot my love today. Would you cry for me? You know what I mean? It makes lyrical sense almost, but I didn't know it's about murder. At least you know not until the last couple of years. The great vocals and great rhythm section and guitar tone is fantastic. The first bridge, Chris almost sounds like a barker on his mic. I love the dark content of the song, actually. Uh, songs about murdering a woman and leaving her in the desert. Yeah. yeah. The lyrics, just a burden in my hand and anchor in my heart implies that he's really sad about what he's done. They have a really good video for this song of them in the Mojave Desert. Yeah. And doing stuff. It's great. It's one of their better, better yeah, this videos. Is one of, this is one of my favorite Soundgarden songs. This song, to me, is all about Chris Cornell's voice. Obviously, one of the great rock and roll singers in rock history. Very stressful lyrics, I guess I'll call them. I shot my love today. Would you cry for me? I lost my head again. Would you lie for me? Yeah. Deep, deep lyrics. So just tormented young man, but what a wonderful voice in the songwriter. And it's really interesting tuning in this uh, best oh, yeah, guitar yeah. player. Yeah. It's an open C tuning, which mm. is not normal at all. And a lot of what, what they do by this is they get a different sound than you're used to hearing, and their chords sound more complex than they are. But the reality, he's doing this, like that, this, you know, little tiny... You're flipping me off right now. I am flipping you off. You didn't have to say that. But yeah, no, it's a... Excellent song. It's my number one, so yeah. I love it. So let's listen to the number two song overall, Burden in My Hand by Soundgarden. You, before you oh, go no, into this, no, I yeah. do remember you and I were hanging out, barbecuing one night, and this song comes on, and I remember you belting it out at the top of your lungs, and so I knew this was going to be, maybe not number one, but I knew this would be in your top three or four. Yeah, it's definitely a good one. Anyway, a Burden in My Hand by Soundgarden, the number two song overall. Let's listen. That's our number two. I have a confession. Burden in my hands. What? After listening to that song just now, I have it at number eight. It should have been higher. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a great song. Burden in my hand by Soundgarden. It's our number two overall. Now we're getting to our number one overall, and this was, of course, on everybody's list. The media, the Ralph, the Rob. Nice. <laughs> it's on everybody's list, and I have not done a podcast on this one. This is another sad tale about another singer who is not around anymore. The artist is Sublime. The album is Sublime. And the song is What I Got. And this is Ralph's number two. This is my number five. So, Ralph, and it's Media's number two. Go ahead. Wonderful, wonderful song. The whole album. Once again, I'm taking 20 albums to a desert island for the rest of my life. This is going with me. Sublime is if I'm hanging out at a party poolside, having some cocktails, 
Sublime is playing. I mean, Sublime is a wonderful soundtrack to having a cold beverage in your hand, hanging out at a pool, hanging out with friends, and having a good time. Love this band to death. And for me, the hardest part about this was whether I go with what I got or Santeria. Up in the air with both of them. But keep going. Yeah. Yes. Obviously, the unfortunate story about Sublime, lead singer, lead songwriter, extremely talented, Bradley Knoll, passes away soon after this album is released. This is before it was released, actually. So he, sorry, he passes away just before it's released? Okay, gotcha. So... He obviously misses, I mean, this is a huge, huge album. This is a huge, huge hit for Sublime. He doesn't get to see any of this. Yeah, they were signed to uh, Skunk Records initially. So they did have a couple albums, 40 Ounces to Freedom and Robin the Hood. Yep, yep. But they finally got the big album for a major label. He had gotten off of heroin he had went to rehab he had got, and, oh, okay. and he was clean. Yeah. Then he started slipping yep. as they started going back on tour. Yeah. And then he slipped the morning that he died. He walked into the bandmates rooms and he's like, Hey, let's go up to the beach. The waves are crazy. It's like 12 feet. They're all surfers. Yeah. Uh, you have to check it out. You check it out. And he had his dog with him and no, everybody else was like, it's like, seven in the morning we went to bed at like five i need sleep give me talk to me in four hours and evidently he went down to the beach mm. came back shot up and od'd mm. and his roommate didn't even realize it i think he's the bassist and uh he walked over and he's like ah oh, look at you you're falling off the bed you idiot and they looked and he saw his, his mouth all <sighs> foamed and then he realized they called paramedics, but it was too yeah. late. Uh, yeah, it was really a sad thing. And I remember from the videos at the time, seeing his dog in the videos. Yep, love that dog. Which I is mean, Lou he, Dog. Lou yeah, dog yeah. Is he's name. written songs with Lou Dog being mentioned. I mean, uh, I think Lou Dog barks in two or three of the songs <laughs> on the album. So he obviously has a love uh, for the dog. But I mean, the you know the lyrics for Sublime, you know, they're just around good times drugs partying girls touring surfing just a fun fun band it i i feel like bradley like had he not passed away like these guys potentially were going to be gigantic well, I mean, this, this, they I, were gigantic even after he passed away but they were heading towards you know 25 30,000 seat arenas and just hmm. yeah they could have been one of the biggest bands out there yep, period yeah yep yeah. I mean, there, this this album's all over the place, which I love. I mean, th- there's rock and roll, obviously. There's rap songs on there. Punk rock, reggae, ska. I mean, he touches uh, and some acoustic songs. Yeah, but he pulls that into most of the things. I mean, yes. you usually get that reggae sort of feel or the ska sort of feel, depending yep. on your point of view, for a lot of that stuff. There's that, actually an acoustic version of this on the album, which is excellent also. Yeah. No, it's it's fantastic, and he died in May 25th of 1996, mm. and the album was released in July. So, And it was a big thing for the bandmates to figure out whether they should go on or not, or whether they needed to you know, pack it up, but they decided to put the album out. They did a little tour around the album, and then they packed it up because it really wasn't sublime. Without Bradley fronting the band anymore. 
Yeah. And they have their own other projects that they did. and Sublime with Rome, I guess, which is not horrible, but it's not Bradley Newell. Right, right. Yeah, the band, as they continued on or as they recovered from the loss of Bradley, they were a party band and they still drank quite a bit. Remember when they won, they won a VMA okay. for this album? The guitarist and the bassist were there. And they were obviously drunk, and he said, I don't think we were going to win, so I shared a bottle of tequila before the VMAs with the bassist, yeah, these uh, guys like Eric party. Wilson. And so when they came up and they won the award, Uh-oh. Eric Wilson yelled, Leonard Skinner! <laughs> it's in the <laughs> mic. It was completely trash. And they were all they got kind of... Not in trouble, but you know, it didn't wasn't yeah. wasn't a good image. But obviously, at that point, their band was breaking up. They weren't around that much anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's a good documentary. If you search a Sublime documentary okay. on uh, YouTube, fantastic. It brings you oh, the whole story. Okay. It's so good. Once again, it's the number one song of 1996, and it's fantastic. What I got by Sublime. One of the sad stories of yeah. music, but one of the best bands that would have been huge had they survived, but they did not. So, Sublime, what I've got, our number one song of 1996. Let's take a listen. All right, that's Sublime, What I Got, our number one song. Yay! Excellent number one song. We made it through. It's a good list. This is a good Very year. good list. We, we hit on quite a few. Yeah, yeah we did good. But uh, let's talk about songs that missed the cut, and we're doing this differently for the 90s series. If you haven't listened to the other three, which was 99, 98, 97, mm-hmm. we're doing this a little bit different at the end, Miss the Cut. We're going to actually play 10 seconds of each of the tunes that made each of our lists. And the media's list. And we'll start with the media's list, I guess. And then we'll discuss their choices briefly and move on to the next one. And you'll be able, for yours, you'll be able to talk about one song. I'll be able to talk about one song. Then we'll wrap it up, remind everybody what our top 12 was. Then we're almost done. You want to stick around right here because you're going to hear some stuff that you want to hear. If there's a song that you love from 96 that didn't make the list, it may be coming up. So let's... Start with the media list. The media had several songs that didn't make the cut. Let's go with number one, Standing Outside a Broken Phone Booth with Money in Your Hands by Primitive Radio Gods. They're number three, A Long December by Counting Crows. It's one more day up in the camp. Their number six, Crash Into Me by the Dave Matthews Band. Number eight, Killing Me Softly by the Fugees. Number nine, 
Number nine, No Diggity by Blackstreet. Baby, you're perfect and I want to get in. Can I get down so I I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. Number 10, Until It Sleeps by Metallica. Number 11, Swallowed by Bush. Okay, that was the media's list. So I just want to talk briefly about Until It Sleeps by Metallica. Just the one interesting thing about that song, and I'm not going to talk much about it, that a collection of internet pirates released an MP3 of Until It Sleeps on August 10th, 1996. It was the first digitally pirated MP3 mm. in history. So kind of interesting. I think if I was going to pirate a Metallica song, it wouldn't have been that one. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just the, the first one that, that hit. That's and, why Lars is so angry at Napster. And James wrote that about his mother, who died from cancer when mm. he was 16. So anything on the media list that you want to talk about? Killing Me Softly by the Fugees. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful song. You know, this this is an old song. Apparently, it was written... In 1971, by Roberta uh, Flack. Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't Charles written by Fox. Her. Some I, I don't know who these people are, but Charles Fox and Norma, Norman Gimbel wrote this song. Right. Roberta Flack redid it two years later, and it became a number one hit for her. Yeah, that's the one this, everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. This this has been redone. This song's been redone quite a few times, but the Fugees in 1996 put a little R&B spin onto it. Excellent song. And it's Lauren Hill. So, Lauren, yeah. yeah as, awesome. Who became a solo artist yep. shortly after this. So, yeah. Good song. Ralph, you had four songs that didn't make our list. Your number eight song, Six Underground by the Sneaker Pimps. Your number nine song, Bound for the Floor by Local H. Your number 11 song, Every Day is a Winding Road by Sheryl Crow. Your number 12 song, Tahitian Moon by Porno Papyrus. Okay, Ralph, what, which one do you want to talk about? I'm going to go with my number eight song, Rob, which is a band called Sneaker Pimps. Okay. Fun band name, huh? Sneaker Pimps. These guys come from England, and they're in a genre called trip hop. Okay. Not sure if many people know about trip hop. It hasn't sold a lot of albums or anything like that, but it comes out of Bristol, England, early 1990s, 91, 92. Trip hop is kind of born out of obviously hip hop okay. right and and it's got more and tripping and tripping yeah let's go with that 
It's got a heavy bass line, typically. A lot of electronic keyboards. It became really big in certain dance venues in okay. the early 1990s. I found out about the Sneaker Pimps. I remember driving down Sunset Boulevard, probably 96, 97, and I see this big billboard, and it says, New Album from the Sneaker Pimps. And obviously that name kind of catches me. So two weeks later, I'm picking up the album, probably listening to Trip Hop for maybe the first time. Just fun music. Music, dance, danceable music. It was a lot of fun. It's, it has definitely the roots of hip hop in it. But wow, it's always interesting. Thank you for enlightening us about the sneaker rims and trip hop. All right, so let's go to the songs that missed the cut for moi. I also had four songs that didn't make the cut. Number seven song, 46 and 2 by Tool. Number eight song, If You Can Only See by Tonic. My number nine song, Barely Breathing by Duncan Sheik. My number 12 song, Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham. Alright, yeah, I, I guess I'm going to talk about, I, I was going to talk about If You Can Only See It by Tonic, but I just sent a kid off to college. So I'm going to talk about Mother Mother. Uh, we're, we're, we're on the same page here, Rob. I, I'm picturing my daughter just saying the same thing you're about to say. It's, it's by Trace of Bonham. It's off of the Burdens for Being Upright album. The lyrics resemble a phone call between a young woman and her mother, understanding how a mother can be overprotective of her daughter, even if she's out of state and going to college and looking to be involved in her life, explaining to her mother her daily things that's happening, and then all of a sudden she's like, I'm hungry, I'm dirty, I'm losing my mind, I'm bleeding to death, everything's fine, I miss you, I love everything's fine. fine. <laughs> I know. Being upset with the micromanagement of a mother. Yep. Bottom said I was rebelling, I was just raw, I was just like, get out and do it, get behind a microphone and just scream. And it was that sort of emotion that came out in this song that I can feel the frustration and the anger and trying to let somebody get off and live their life it can be uh, it can be tough. You and I are in the same place where we've we've both sent uh, daughters off to college within the past uh, month. It's funny you took the words right out of my mouth. I love this song. I'm looking at this song differently now. Just like you said, yeah. a daughter and mother talking on the phone and just telling her, telling mom what's going on. And all of a sudden she's just screaming, everything's fine. I'm so bleeding. I'm waiting for the, I'm dying. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for yet. that moment to happen. Uh, but luckily it hasn't happened for either one of us with our, our daughters. But um, it's funny. I, I'm in the same headspace you are with this song. Yeah, that's funny. All right. So Let's remind everybody what our top 12 actually was. The number 12 song was Picture Me Rolling by Tupac Shakur. Number 11 was 3AM by Matchbox 20. Number 10 was Tripping on a Hole in a Paper Heart by Stone Temple Pilots. Number 9 was Pepper by Butthole Surfers. 
Number eight was Where It's At by Beck. Number seven was Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. Number six, The Distance by Kick. Number five, King Nothing by Metallica. Number four, One Headlight by The Wallflowers. Number three, An Enema by Tool. Number two, Burden in My Hand by Soundgarden. And number one song for this year of 1996, What I Got by Sublime. So Ralph, man, thank you so much, man. It's been so much fun. A lot of fun. Excellent. You know what? I think we kind of connected more on this podcast than, than most other podcasts. So very cool. Yeah. We well, didn't get angry at each other or anything like that. Uh, had a great time. Uh, what a great year 1996 yes. is. Everybody, we are currently taking suggestions for next season. I want to thank everybody who's suggested so far. We've got a ton of stuff. We're closing that window this Friday. Please go on our Facebook page and check that out. Please do not be shy in putting what you want to be there, Cake. If you like to put Cake or something else on there, that would be fine. If you're a big Men at Work fan and you want to put Men at Work up there, if you, you want to too. put you too. You two was up there last year. They lost the Queen in the big vote off. So, so what will happen is we'll put all of the suggestions into categories that make sense, and then we'll have people vote on the categories, and the winners will either one or two of those bands will make the final cut for next season yeah it should be fun i'm looking forward to it we played some we had some great bands this year i'm really enjoying this 90s by the way uh 90s is such a pivotal part in my life and i know jake's and a lot of the people who do this cast and ralph too yeah well thank you so much for for doing this i love it when you do this cast My, my favorite part of the rock and roll era 1990 to 1996 97 is like right on target for excellent music yeah it's a great era for sure definitely anyway thank you everybody who's listening to this podcast at this moment i truly appreciate you and you don't understand this is not hyperbole i truly appreciate you i truly appreciate your time i am so happy that you took the time to listen to this podcast if you can share it with somebody who would like a certain band or a certain year. If you know somebody who was alive in 1996, share this podcast with them. Let this grow organically. I haven't been one to push this out. I want this to grow among friends. And I consider you guys friends. So thank you for being a part of the community. Talk to me on Facebook, The Dirty Dozen page. Love to chat with you about music. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Thank you, Ralph, again. Yeah, thank you, Rob. And God bless. I'll see you in two weeks with 1995.